You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey, my friends, welcome to the Run the Riot podcast. So glad to have you listening today. We got a great show with Miss Ashley Schneider today, and I'll tell you a little bit about her in just a minute. Uh, Before we get started, I want to share with you about our current sponsors. The first one is the Outlaw Race Series. Outlaw Race Series, man, uh, great races. It includes the Flat Rock Triple Crown, the Lake McMurtry Run, Flower Moon, uh, the Dark and Dirty, the Thunderbird, which is coming up. On November 14th, um, I think it's sold out, but you can get on the waiting list and uh, we'll be there planning on being there. Uh, I think I'm running the 50K. It'll be good to see some of you guys out there. We can hang out and visit a little bit, uh, maybe while we're running. Who knows? Yeah, but check it out. Uh, and the Outlaw Race Series, the, the I guess the flagship race is the Outlaw 100. <clears throat> So check it out. Go to www.outlaw100.com. Great races put on by some great people. And we're also brought to you by T8.run. Uh, that's the letter T, the number 8.run. And you can check them out by going to www.t8.run.com. And this is gear for ultra runners by ultra runners. And their flagship product is the Commando Shorts. These are guaranteed to keep you chafe free. Whether you're running in the woods or you're running on the roads, man, these things are awesome. And if you go to the site and you put in the code 50-RUNTHERIOT, that's the number 50-RUNTHERIOT, you get a discount. So check that out. Go to www.t8.run. All right. So for today's show, we've got a, a lady who has run across the United States of America, and she did it to raise money. Uh, her mom had uh, had MS, uh, and uh, she did it to raise money and awareness for MS. And she currently, um, this is pretty awesome. I, I, I and I, I've known people that have done it, but I didn't make the connection until we were doing the podcast. But uh, she holds a relay of people who run across the United States, and each person runs six marathons in a row, and they have it. There's a day off, and hands it off to the next person, and so it's called the MS Run the U.S. And uh, she is the executive director. And when she was running across the United States, she came up with this. So. Uh, really interesting on how this came about. We have great, great conversations about running, about fueling. Um, really, really fun podcast. I hope you like it. I hope you get some, some good brain food, <laughs> some good information out of it. Uh, so check it out. Ashley Schneider. Okay, today on the Run the Riot podcast, we have somebody who knows what it's like to run for a long period of time, Ms. Ashley Schneider. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. So good to have you on the show. And uh, man, I, I'm excited to hear about your journey Um uh, just running a really, really long distance. And so, um, you know, I'm sure people will see from the, the, the intros and everything else that you, you ran across the United States. And, um, but we want to talk about you, that you, before that you hadn't really done like a whole lot of racing, right? Right. Yeah. So I was 24 when I got the idea to run across the country. And at the time, I mean, I was a pretty solid recreational runner. So three to five miles on a consistent basis had always loved running. So like that was there, but I had never run a marathon. (laughs) I hadn't thought about running one because I was pretty satisfied with the, you know, hour long training. And, uh, the idea came to me to run from San Francisco to New York for my mom who was living with MS. Wow. Wow. So, so now, now you, you you said you were a rec- recreational runner, but you did more than just run. You did you were you were an active young lady, I guess. We're say that. I was an athlete. Yes, I was an athlete. I mean, yeah. I, I I was a two sport athlete in high school and college. Okay. Um, but I mean, there are a lot of athletes. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, a lot yeah. of people that are athletes. So, um, I think it was more so. What I like to when I look back on it, what I like about the whole scenario and how it came into fruition is that 
I'm not, I wasn't an elite runner. I'm still not an elite runner. Um, certainly had a, a love of fitness and athletics, as a lot of people do. And then I was motivated to do something epic because of this experience that I had had growing up watching my mom living with multiple sclerosis, taking that pain mm. and the level of pain I experienced with that and doing something personally motivating and just so epic that I could talk about the pain in light of this grand challenge that made it all seem like a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. So, so, so tell me, tell me, uh, about your mom. When was she, um, diagnosed and did you, you know, to tell me a little bit about her story on, you know, getting MS and, and, and your perspective on that. Yeah. She was diagnosed with MS four years before I was born. Okay. So I grew up my whole life watching it. She probably lived for the first eight years of that diagnosis, uh, symptom-free, but MS for you or listeners that don't know it, um, it affects the signals between the brain and the body. And so it affects people in the central nervous system, the brain, the spinal cord, and the optic nerves. And so everybody who has MS has different experiences. We can get into this with the relay, but we have runners that um, come to my charity event and they are living with MS and they can conceptualize doing six marathons in six days and they're successful at it. So yeah. you have that type of person living with MS and you have someone like my mom who did have some mobility issues. She had poor fine motor skills. Uh, she had cognitive dysfunction. So like memory loss and mm. speech uh, was something that was really difficult for her carrying on a conversation. So there were some pretty painful experiences just being a teenager and seeing like this is my female role model and yeah. I'm see I'm watching her you know essentially deteriorate before my eyes so I ran I went to running running was like a, a sanctuary where I could feel empowered and where I could feel like you know you start in a run and the world is on your shoulders and you finish and you're like okay I feel pretty good and yeah. so I had that through my teen years when when I started to see her her disease start to really progress. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and really, honestly, you know, this is an ultra running podcast and people listening are, are ultra runners and it's crazy, you know, how many people started running or kind of grew their running from just, just a, a tough times, you know, dealing with, mm -hmm. with stuff there. Um, I remember on the trail, we met up, uh, this was in Louisiana when I lived there, met up with a, a lady who was on the trail and she said, yeah, I've just been working through some stuff. I've been on the trail. Um, I think I did 70 miles on this trail this week and we, we ran off. We're like, wow, are you really dealing with some stuff? You know? <laughs> you know? But, but, you know, I think, I mean, I can relate to that personally, you know, just, just it's processing time. It's, it's, um, I don't know. It, yeah, you know, it has physiological stuff to it too but there's a whole lot of time where you can just just kind of work through life man i get things all figured out on a run and i forget it when i get back but you know it's <laughs> <laughs> but you feel better and that's all that mattered you know when i was a teenager it wasn't this conscious like oh this crappy thing is happening to me and now i'm gonna go running it was yeah. just that was happening and running was the place that made me feel good you yeah. know and then it was as i grew and became more mature i realized like oh this is yeah. this is a place that i that i like to go and that I need to go yeah. in order to sort through all this stuff. Well, and teenage life is, is stressful enough, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're dealing with that and watching, you know, watching that and you being an, an athlete and seeing your mom, you know, decline over the years. So, um, so you, you graduated from high school. Um, did you, did you do sports in college or anything like that? Or did, what did you do after that? Yeah, I played competitive. So I played on the soccer team at my university, and okay. I also ran track uh, for a couple of years. And then when I graduated, I got a job working as a rock climbing and surf instructor on cruise ships. And okay, so I was I traveling around the world. How cool is that? <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was amazing. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was. It was. More than I had, like, that's not what I went to school. I didn't go to school thinking I'm going to work on a cruise ship. I went to school for uh, exercise and sports science. I was okay. going to doctorate school to be a physical therapist. Um, and this job kind of came my way. And I talked to my, I thought, I talked to my parents about it because I got into doctorate grad school. I thought for sure they were going to say finish school. And they yeah. said the opposite. My parents said, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Your mom was diagnosed with MS in her mid-20s. Not to say you're going to get it, but you don't know what's right. going to happen. And you have this opportunity right now to get paid to see the world. So you should go do it. 
Wow. Yeah. And you can, you know, you can go back to school and while you're young and healthy. Yeah. And so, uh, so wait, where, where are you from? You're in, uh, where are you at right now? I'm from Wisconsin. I grew up in Brookfield, Wisconsin, was just west of Milwaukee. And then I went to school on the west side of Wisconsin, moved okay. to Colorado. And then that's what took me to the cruise ships. Okay. I have to ask, how do you be, how do you become a surf instructor if you live in Wisconsin? <laughs> a lot of good <laughs> surfing go in Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. All right. Gotcha. They had, um, they had a 40 foot rock wall on the top deck of the ship and then a simulated surf machine. So I would okay. teach, um, climbing and surfing on the ships. So cool. Um, so I have, I have a sister who worked on a cruise ship and um, she got to go like around Hawaii and they were all over the place and stuff. So where, I, I, what places did you get to go? Just curious. I went I went all over the world. So I started in California and Mexico and then I was transferred to a ship in um, it was just being built in Europe. So I picked it up in Iceland. I went to England all along the Mediterranean through Europe and the Canary Islands off the coast of Africa and then I crossed the ocean to the Caribbean and was in the Caribbean, and I left the Caribbean to um, run across America. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Really cool. Like a dream job, twenty-something-year-old <laughs> traveler. Yeah. <laughs> Not gonna have a it cruise ship. Yeah. yeah. It was hard to leave. I didn't. I didn't foresee myself leaving it anytime soon. I had this bucket list of places I wanted to go, and I was, you know, it was like I wasn't. Um, I wasn't saving anything. I was touring the world. I would get off in port. I would spend my money on tours in like Rome and, you know, Spain and Portugal. And we went on helicopter tours of France. It was really cool. Wow. Wow. So so during that time, um, how, how long did you do that? Uh, yeah. Almost two years. Yep. Almost two years. Gotcha. And so, you know, you're um, what? Well, you, you said you were planning on doing it for a while. What 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 flipped that switch that made you decide you needed to, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, reconnect and, and go come back to the come back to the motherland <laughs> and, and yeah. run across it? You know, what what, what was that? You know, uh, the powers that be just put this little idea in my mind that I couldn't get rid of. Um, I was running in Barcelona. Actually, I was on the treadmill. We were porting in Barcelona um, and I had. The layers of it where I had a lot of friends from different countries that said they had always wanted to see the U.S. And they were asking me what I'd seen. And I hadn't really seen a lot. I mean, I'd yeah. done the spring break trips to Florida, but I hadn't seen some of the national places that are landmarks in the U.S. And so during that run, I started thinking about what would I see in the U.S. And it came to this idea in my mind, like, oh, I could if I could go to this place, then maybe I could run to this place. Cause I was in Europe seeing all these places on foot. I would go, I would get off the ship and I'd do a three or a five mile run in Europe and see some really cool places on foot. So it was like yeah. a layering of that idea too, of I can see these places on foot. I started imagining what I would see in the U S on foot. And then it conceptualized into, if I started in California, could I run across to New York and see all these places along the way and visit friends. And, you know, at the time it was this really, um, whimsical across America. Yeah. Um, and what really made it stick was I thought about doing it for my mom and doing yeah. it to raise money and awareness for multiple sclerosis. And that is when all of the pathways in my life converged into this point of, Oh, this is what I was made for. I love running. I think I can do this, even though I didn't know, how many miles it was across the country or had I run a marathon yeah. before I was like, I love running. I love my mom. I think I should do this to raise money for MS. And so I quit my job, move wow. home to Wisconsin to do it. Wow. So what were your, what were your next steps in, in, in doing that? And how long was that before you went back to Wisconsin and, and before you started, what, what kind of, what was that process like? So the idea was put into my mind, I'm going to say October of, 2008. So we're in the Great Recession. Um, I yeah. did want to, I knew enough to test my body to see if I was capable of running okay. a marathon or, you know, the idea in my mind at that time was I'll run for, you know, five to 10 miles, take a break, run for five to 10 miles, take a break and just do that throughout the day. If I had nothing else to do except run, it seemed to make sense to me. Yeah. And so um, I tested my ability to do that on the cruise ship. And after okay. about two weeks, I was sore, but I felt really strong. Nothing was falling off. It wasn't horrible. And so uh, I was like, okay, I like I could see doing I could see doing this with enough training. Yeah. Um, 
And so then I put a, a leave of absence for my job and needed a replacement. And so that took about three weeks. And so I arrived home in January of 2009. Okay. And I set a date to be at the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco on March 22nd, 2010. So I gave myself a little over a year, yeah. uh, a year and two months to, to train and set up the event before I would start the run. Okay. Well, I mean, that. okay. And this is from an ultra runner who's run 200 mile races or whatever. That sounds reasonable, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know <it> sounds, <laughs> I guess, you know? Um, so, wow. And so from there, you, you know, you, you've got to start, you've got to, you've got to train, you've got logistics, um, and you've got fundraising, you know, um, the, and I guess organizational as far as, um, you know, raising money and where to give yeah. it, how to raise yeah. it and all that stuff. Wow. Um, how did how did that all come together? Because that just those things alone. I mean, if I don't can stress you out pretty good, you know, I mean, trying to you're trying to get it all to come together and do this huge thing. Um, yeah. How'd that come about? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I had some you know, there were some stressful moments like uh, sitting in the Miami airport after I had left the cruise ship waiting for my flight home to Wisconsin when everything was like really real. I had my yeah. bags packed and I'm sitting there by myself. I had a huge breakdown of just crying, sobbing, like, what the hell am I doing? You know, yeah. because I had all my friends who loved me and were like, hey, why don't you just train on the cruise ship and like build it this way? And why are you leaving your job in the middle of the Great Recession? And people, millions of people have lost their job. And now you're going to go out and ask for money and build a charity. That seems weird. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> It's, uh, I just felt like it was, it was my path and I needed to go for it. Yeah. And so, and that inkling of what my dad had said before too, my parents had said, if you have the opportunity to do something, go do it now. So I was like, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to let this idea diminish and become less interesting or less convenient. And, um, so I got home, I wanted to partner with an already existing charity, but that was a difficult hurdle um, because I, I wanted the, I, the concept was to get sponsors to pay for the, the event. So any donations that came in could go to MS research. And then I was also looking for someone to borrow me a motorhome, yeah. And I was also looking for a volunteer crew person. So there was all of these hopes of people and things coming into place to actually have it come into fruition. And I quickly realized that I was going to need a nonprofit business to be the, the foundation to um, allow all of those things to have tax write off if they were to come into fruition and to yeah. really create it the way that I had wanted to. And yeah. so that's what got me into starting the nonprofit. Um, that was, you know, a learning lesson of itself. Um, for those who don't know about nonprofits, to start one, the IRS application, generally speaking, you get a lawyer and that's about five to $10,000 to get a lawyer to fill out the application for you. And I didn't yeah. have that. So I, I did it myself, you know. <laughs> and you're and you're twenty how twenty something? 25, yeah, twenty five years old. Twenty four yeah. into into turning twenty five. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow. But that's when that's when I think, and not to say that it's not easy to be an entrepreneur later, but you're twenty four, twenty five. Like I didn't have any kids. I didn't have living with my parents. If I yeah. failed, I was like, all right. Yeah. So I failed, you know, like what, yeah. what do I lose? There yeah. was literally nothing to lose. And so, um, and I, I was really strappy for the charity. I was not gonna try and find, and I didn't have the connections to someone who was a lawyer that yeah. could do it for free. I, I could contact a handful of people now that would do that. But, you know, when I was 24, 25, I didn't have those connections. And so I just got really scrappy. Um, I learned HTML and built the website, the, the first nice. website. Uh, it's not the website we have today, but I still know HTML and can work really well with our uh, web designer that I have now. So that all these things taught me what was important for building a business. And um, the training was just a ton of fun. Um, you know, I looking back, there's obviously my very first marathon was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I... Uh, I was reading Ultramarathon Man by Dean Carnazes. Yeah. Got so inspired that I literally dropped the book and put my shoes on and told my dad, I was like, I'm going to go run a marathon. I'll be back in four hours. <laughs> and 
was like, what are you taking with you? I was like, I don't need anything. I've got my body. I've got my mind. Let's do it. Um, luckily him and my mom came after me in the car and they found me right around two and a half, three hours, right around the time when you're like, just, I mean, I had no food, water, phone, or money to buy anything. It was not. (laughs) (laughs) Ignorance on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, luckily they were there and, uh, got bananas and Gatorade and all that kind of stuff and worked my way through, through it, but I finished and I was like, okay, I did that. And then, um, that night I signed up for a 50 miler cause I was like, I ran a half or I ran a full by myself. Well, certainly yeah. I, certainly I could be able to double this right with like aid stations along yeah. the way. So oh, giving me food. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> and actually the 50 miler was awesome. It was a, I loved it. I fell in love with ultras. I fell in love with 50 milers. Um, and still even to this day, the half marathon and the 50 mile distance are my favorite. Huh, interesting. So which, which 50 miler did you do for your first one? Was it, was a trail one or a road? It was trail. It was the nice. ice age 50 miler in Wisconsin. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've heard of that one. Now the, uh, it's been my experience cause I've done, I've done a marathon, I've done a 50 miler and then a marathon the week later. And that marathon on pavement beats, just beats me up more than 50 miles on the trails. Like I, I recover mm-hmm. fast from a 50 mile on trails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That's, that's very true. My husband is an ultra runner and okay. we've done trails, tons of trails together. And then I helped him run his first hundred miler was a hometown 50 mile race on road. So we started at the finish the night yeah. before and he ran up to the start and then ran back to the finish. So he did a hundred miles on pavement. That yeah. was something else <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I did i did 200 milers on that were on paved area and that's rough man that's yeah so that was his first on pavement uh well i mean we had done 50 miler we had done that 50 yeah. miler on that was his first hundred before. uh yes that was his first hundred that he completed he had okay. he had done three on the trail before and it gotten around to like 70 okay gotcha I was going to say, man, if you just plan on doing your first one and it's on a, on pavement, oof, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he was well-versed in ultras, gotcha. um, had been running them years yeah. before, years okay. before we had met, so. Gotcha, okay. So so you did you did the 50, and that didn't die, went pretty well, enjoyed it, had a good time. Yeah, yeah I loved it. I finished thinking I was made for this. Like, I love this. Ultra running is cool. You run for five, six, seven miles in the woods. You stop for some Oreos and then you keep going and they hand you a beer at the finish. Like what, <laughs> <laughs> what else yeah, yeah. do I want with my life? So I, um, I quickly got into the ultra scene training for my run across the country. I signed up for another 50 miler. I did, um, a couple marathon marathons with half marathons back to back in the same weekend, nice. like as a part of a coupled event. And okay. then I stood on the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco on March 22nd and I started running to New York. Nice, nice. So um, you're, you're OK, you're you're 24 years old. You're doing all this this stuff and, and you're trying to you're, you're trying to get sponsorships and and um, and you're trying to get people to donate so did any did you have any trouble with that i mean being a 25 year old a 24 year old and just kind of and at the you know when you first started this you you hadn't had a ton of experience running long distances um and so did did you get any pushback from people or people just kind of like you know kind of blow you off or anything or oh i got a i got plenty of people that blew me off but they did nicely you know yeah yeah there, there. Good luck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) what stuck was, so six weeks, six weeks to go date. I didn't have a motorhome and I didn't have sponsorship to pay for it yet. I had some money in fundraising that I had been collecting for, to give to MS research. Um, so what ended up happening was all of these coincidences that came into everything working out really well. Um, my aunt who lives in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, Wild Rose, Wisconsin, 700 people. She hosted a pancake polka breakfast for me. And someone there's neighbor had a cousin that had a mess and they had an RV and they were willing to give me their motorhome for the summer. So that's where the motorhome came from. Wow, that's pretty random. It's super random. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. like not even a close, you know, yeah. Yeah. And then the sponsors came because I uh, sent a message to Montel Williams, who was a Emmy award winning talk show host living with MS. And I just wanted him to know what I was doing. 
yeah. that was my that was my um I was not going out and necessarily asking celebrities or big companies for sums of money. I just said, hey, I'm doing this and I want you to know about it. And he yeah. was super inspired and said, how can I help? I want to come on board with this. So he uh, worked with his businesses to get the sponsorship. And that all happened within a month and a half to me showing up in in California. Wow, that's crazy. I, and I, I forgot that uh, Montel Williams uh, had MS. Um, that's okay. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And so like, you, you put it out there. You started doing the work, doing what you could do. And and isn't it cool how, how when you're doing something good, it can all come together? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the thing that I kept telling myself, because uh, who ended up taking me, who, who ended up being my crew was my then boyfriend turned fiance during the run, turned ex Ex fiance after, which is a whole, whole other story. <laughs> okay, well, we might want to talk about that. That's interesting. <laughs> um, so, you know, he was, there was, there were some moments where he's like, we don't have the stuff to do this. What are we going to do? Um, you know, and there are other people who are like, hey, do you have your sponsorship yet? And I'm like, no, I don't have it. But it was like this concept of always being like, the next day is a new opportunity and just not freaking out. Cause I was yeah. like, if yeah. this is going to come into fruition, me freaking out about it is not going to help. Yeah that go forward. So it was just a matter of, um, following the breadcrumbs that were put out and seeing where they were going to, where they were going to come up, but what didn't happen. So I'd set a goal to raise $500,000 and that was the, the impact, the self-assigned goal that I had, um, put on my run and that ended up not coming into fruition. I only raised uh, actually just over $55,000, so 10% of my goal by the time I got to New York. Yeah. And I was personally devastated and internally crushed. And everybody was celebrating because I had just run across America. Um, it ended up being 125 marathons. Um, uh -huh. I did 24 miles a day, six days a week for six months. And I only had two blisters as the extent of my injury. So there are all of these things, like the running was something that came really naturally. And it was all of these other things, starting the nonprofit, um, you know, the crew experience as ultra runners know there can be great crew and then there can be <laughs> challenging crew. Yeah. Um, there was, there was someone who actually came on board that uh, was going to be our media person taking photos of it. And they ended up stealing money from the organization. I ended up getting it back every, every cent. So it was like, there's all these other things that happened. Um, and then, so when I got to New York, uh, everybody was like, you did it. Like, congratulations. You ran across America. And I just felt like I didn't do it. I could have raised $55,000 in a really well organized event at my house over the course of a weekend. Like, why would it, like, there's obviously <laughs> the experience of running across the country, yeah. but I did it to raise money. I didn't do it for the experience of running across the country, I could have done that without the, yeah. without like the, the dog and pony show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and looking back, uh, and I definitely want to go back and talk about the experience, but looking back, the ripple effect of doing that though has, I'm sure. And I, we'll talk about that in just a minute, opened some doors like that. You, at the time you were like, yeah, this was dumb, you know, which and a lot of <laughs> a lot of ultras, sometimes we end up, you know, three fourths of the way through going, this is stupid. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. But, you know, yeah, um, and we, you know, when you see it when you finish. But um, so uh, you you trained, you you had your plan and was your plan to run about 24 miles a day, six days a week? Was that your start? That was your plan from the beginning, right? It was 20 to 30 miles a day okay, was the gotcha. range. And what yeah. I ended up doing is I broke the country up into three parts. And I started, um, one, I started eight pounds heavier. So I ate as much as I could while training for it to like put on some cushion. And I wanted to take the first third of the Golden Gate Bridge basically to Denver would be almost like what I considered another another layer of the training that would yeah. get me through to the finish. And so like the first day when I ran, it was 17 miles. It was like yeah. little inkles of 17 here, 18, 22, like slowly, slowly building. Um, so then by the middle, I was easily hitting a marathon a day. And then by the end, I was doing 30 to 40 miles. My The most I had done in one day was 44. Wow. And, and so you would, you would, you would do that for six days and then, um, and I, I'm guess you'd probably sleep pretty good, uh, in the, in the 
<laughs> RV at night. And did you have somebody, did you have like medical or somebody like massaging you? Did you have kind of fall into a routine or anything like that? Or I didn't I mean, have any medical. Okay. Um, I would, I would ice my knees in the bottom and my feet. Um, I didn't even do what we, and I'm, well, you could talk about this, but what we do for my relay now is we have this inflatable pool that we oh, dump ice into and last year it was a unicorn and we called princess so we have a little bit better system <laughs> yeah, now yeah, 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 whereas at yeah. the time it was like oh, i'll just wrap these ice packs on my knees and you know yeah. on my feet and um so I, I wasn't great at stretching at the time there wasn't a lot of warm-up type of mentality it was run run and then walk <laughs> if you feel like it and then run and yeah eat a whole like eating was my i talked I talk about it all the time is that like just I ate whatever my body craved, you yeah. know, I gave, yeah. I thought my body would tell me what it needed. And so I started drinking Coca-Cola, ice cold, never been a soda drinker. And I would, I just, there was nothing as, as we know in ultras, there's nothing yeah. quite like an ice cold Coca-Cola if it's hot out. So there, and subway, I would plow through a foot long subway a bag of chips, a whole thing of soda, three cookies, and I was losing weight. <laughs> yeah, that, isn't so, that crazy? <laughs> food port, the food portion was uh, something that helped me be really successful. And then the other thing that I did is I did, um, I broke my runs up into two parts in the day. So the morning was, you know, 10 to 18 miles, like at the bulk near the end. And then yeah. the, and then I would go back out in the afternoon and do what, whatever was left for the day. Maybe it'd be like, you know, five to 10 miles. Gotcha. So you take, take, kind of take a break, eat, you know, catch your head. Yeah. Take a nap. Rehydrate. And actually scientifically, that's a really uh, great strategy to not max out in the marathon distance, right? I was, I'd run for two to three hours and right around the time you're really starting to deplete your body of nutrition and all of like all of the stores, that's when you'd really start to eat through muscle and start to wear out your tendons and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Then I would take a break. I'd stop. I'd take a nap. I'd rehydrate. I'd refuel. And then I'd go back out in the afternoon. So it was actually a really, well, it was a really good plan for the duration of the six months. Um, and what we ended up doing instead of doing like six days on one day off, it was three to three to four weeks of straight running. And then I would okay. three to four days off. Okay. Um, all together. So it was five days of the full marathon distance. And I do a half marathon, a half marathon, five days, half marathon, half marathon, five days. And then okay. clump, clump full recovery days off in major destinations where we had fundraising events. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And, and fundraising events and just time to, to put on some more weight, you know, put on some weight, get some calories in, you, in. let your, yeah, <laughs> sleep in, let your body, yeah, recoup. That probably did a lot for your uh, mental well-being, knowing that, okay, I've got to run all this time, you know, every day I've got to run, even though some, the half days help, because you're like, oh, I only have to run a half marathon these next two days, so that you're looking forward to that in the short term, and then, but, but if I, you know, keep it up, then I get this chunk of time where I can just yeah. exist, you know, and yeah. not, yeah. That's awesome. And I loved the running too. Like I knew running across America was not a thing that you do for the rest of your life. You yeah. know, it's not like I wasn't going to live on the road and run across the country in this RV forever. So I really cherished and I have a, I have a really good log of my runs. And so I know that there were some really crappy runs in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some <laughs> yeah. days were like the weather is less than pleasant. Uh, across Nevada, there's no trees. It's the high desert. You know, it's windy. It was one day it's sunny. The next day it's like a, a, a snowstorm. Um, and I have this video of me trying to run through a snowstorm with sunglasses because I didn't have like ski goggles would be would have been ideal. So I mean, I, there were some challenging runs in there, and there are times where I emotionally didn't feel like doing it. But uh, in general, it was this constant. My mom could not do something like this and a lot of people can't do something like it so yeah. i mean the sunrises were amazing it's um very synonymous with ultra running like if you go through the night and you're like why the hell am i out here what the <laughs> heck you know you're just like yeah. i don't even like running anymore you need yeah. to get in your head of all these things and then the sun comes up and you see like yes. woods and like whatever you Bam, know you're just yeah. like, oh my gosh I <laughs> yeah. so it was yeah. very much of that that's 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 amazing so during that yeah and and i've i've 
before, you know, had had uh, long runs where I've 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 put in my brain. I, I'm running this for those who can't. There are so many. I, I get in. You know, I get to do this. You know, this is a privilege, and uh, and just be reminded of that. And that's that's huge, man. You know, um, and so during that time, did you? Um, uh, I'm sure your your mom it was just through the moon. You know, and and uh, I don't know. Did you get to talk to her regularly? And and you know, get that. Yeah. Just just connection with her and and let did she get to be a part of it you know for sure yes she um she had a wonderful spirit my mom passed in 2017 and um but she just she was the definition of like just strength and joy through the adversity that she lived um she had a really strong faith and so she very much lived not rooted in this world and you could tell in the way that she just had joy and um handled everything and so she was like that source of life when I needed it and she always had this really great uh peace of mind and perspective her and my father too they were a wonderful team and so I'd call her if I needed to as I previously mentioned conversation was not something that always came easy but she I like just having her on the phone some days was really nice and then the first day that they came out to visit me was in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is an eight-hour drive from Milwaukee. And yeah. so they drove out. It was the 4th of July. They spent a weekend with me at in the motorhome, and that was awesome to have them there. And then um, I ran through south of Chicago, but then drove up to Milwaukee for some hometown uh, fundraising events. And the Brewers actually were airing weekly updates of my run with one of their reporters, Jen Latta, she would interview me on the road and then piece together the story and it would air every Tuesday with the nice. Brewers games. And so, uh, we had a, we had a big event and I got to throw out the first pitch at the baseball game. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was really cool. I've, I've been to Wisconsin once, uh, after a mission trip to Africa, I went to speak at a church out there, a big church out there. And, and we got to, got to see Brewers state. That's all I remember. <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot <laughs> about being out there. I didn't get to see a whole lot of things, but I got to see Brewers stadium. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, no, but that's awesome that, so, so there, you know, there's that connection with you, even community that people are rooting for you and all that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, it was a- yeah. So, so you said you only had a couple of blisters. Um, I mean, you really had, I, I, I mean, you, you minimize it a little bit cause you're like, I love running. It's good. You know, but, but <laughs> you still, you know, you're still running a marathon a day, you know, I mean, there's still some, some, some wear and tear and, you know, on, on your body and all that. So, I mean, did you, um, I mean, cause a lot of people listening like the practical stuff, like what did you do to take care of your feet? Did you just, just, change your socks a lot, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> so the blisters, yeah. the blisters always happened on my fourth toe, my fourth toe. If you want to want to know for sure, it's long and it kind of like tucks under my third toe in a weird way. So that that's the, the one that always got the blister. And so what I ended up doing is I would, um, wrap it in the magical, uh, piece of material that all Elstra runners know duct tape. Yeah. And then I would cover it in body glide and put my sock on. Um, until I started the event and for a good amount of it, like I still was a cotton non sweat wicking type of runner and I still don't mind running in cotton socks yeah. or materials, which I know is appalling to some people, but okay. um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you do you girl. Um, right. Uh, so the shoes were really important. So I got fitted for, uh, the shoes that I wore and I had 11 pairs of the exact same shoe same gotcha. color. And then I would rotate those shoes. And when I took them out, I would label what day that I opened the box on the shoe. Okay. And then, then I would just know as, as I was going through them, my knees would tell me if a pair of shoes were done. Um, so I always rotated through three pairs on a regular basis until one was done. And then I would rotate a new, a new pair in. Um, I had a hydration backpack that I picked up in Denver. Finally, up until Denver, I was running with a handheld water bottle, um, which, you know, it's just, I think it was more so I, my personality is that generally speaking, when it comes to my running, what I love about it is that it's so minimalist, like take a pair of shoes with you and you could go anywhere. And so that was kind of what I loved about running to start 
Now, ultra running is different, right? You do need to know your nutrition. You need to know the right gear. Like nutrition can, I believe nutrition can just crush you. It just derails like a whole event. So the the listeners just heard my two podcasts ago where I DNF the Moab 240 from starting to puke and nutrition, bad nutrition choice. Yeah. So example. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've crewed, I've crewed friends, but so uh, I had a, this is a side story, but I had a side story about nutrition. So it's not a total rabbit hole, but, (laughs) um, so I was, I was crewing a friend doing a hundred, um, his stomach flipped at about 60, uh, I'm going to say 45 and got him to drink some ginger ale that helped. He kept going. And then he came into mile 72 and he was like, I don't know, you know, it's nighttime. He's like, I'm not going to, I don't know if I'm going to do it. And I also knew that he was not into caffeine. He was really into like this, like real, just clean, real clean, not to say caffeine's not clean, but he was just not, he was not, it was not his thing, but I was making him these smoothies. So I decided to slip a five hour energy (laughs) into this because I'm like, I'm like, he's going down. So he'll either go down with a five hour energy in him or it might help. And And then he'll be hurting and regretting (laughs) and can't sleep. You have to just be awake and live with it. You know, it's like, (laughs) so I slipped it. It was like the strawberry flavor thing. I slipped it into a smoothie and he was like, Oh, this tastes kind of weird. I was like, Oh, you know, your taste buds, they just, they're just off. You know, there's just, you've run 72 miles. They're just off. So he drank it. Yeah. And I saw him three and a half miles up at the next crossing. He was just, bouncing he was like hey guys this is great and he finished he was just passing people on the trail i didn't tell him after he was done that i slipped him a five-hour energy and at that point he thought it was hilarious but um but yeah i think nutrition especially you know when it comes to the components that i thought were really important to what i was doing i gained weight before i started um i ate so much food and whatever my body wanted and um I think part of it too is like I allowed myself to walk when I needed to, you know, it wasn't this, it wasn't this race across America. I was just, I was running across America. Um, and so I had the right gear, I had the right shoes, I had the right hydration. Um, and I had the right nutrition, which I think is what helped me get to New York. Did you take any, uh, did you do any special, I know a lot of people that do it do like certain kind of, um, smoothies, protein, or did you do any supplements like that along the way? Or did you just, just eat real food mostly? I, it was, I think the most of it was real food. I had, um, uh, hyd- like a, an electrolyte replacement drink, um, that I was, that I was fueling with during the run that I honestly cannot recall what it was, um, yeah. in this. So it was, you know, the, it was like a tailwind type of thing where yeah. you just put it in your, you put it in your bottle and you go, and then I would eat real, f- I have a pretty strong stomach in the sense that I can eat food and continue to run. So when That's I would good. stop at the car, um, you know, every three to five miles, I'd eat like oranges, bananas, pickles, salt and vinegar chips were my jam. I would plow <laughs> through those. I could drink ice. Um, I could drink the Coca-Cola mid run. So all of those things, being able to do that while running was really helpful because I never fully, fully like depleted my body yeah. of the nutrition it needed. That's good. And and like Coke, I don't, I don't drink sodas at all, except <laughs> I save it for nighttime or when it's hot, like you said, uh, but during a run, I need some rocket fuel, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sugar and caffeine, man, and get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 No, that's good. That's awesome. So, um, man, so you broke it up, you you went through, you did all this, and and I don't know, you know, six months into it, I know, it, you know, did, did you just feel like you were able to just kind of cruise control? I, you know, you had your ups and downs, but did you did you have any any real m- moments where you were just like, man, this is why am I doing this? Did you ever think about throwing in the towel and quitting or, you know, I never I never wanted to throw in the towel and quit. I did have, um, as I mentioned, fiance turned ex fiance after the event was over. Um, we, you know, I started this not being an ultra runner. Um, yeah. He was not a runner really, period. He was an athlete, but not a runner. And I remember um, while I was training, while I was doing these ultras, someone had one uh, an experienced ultra runner said, who's your crew? And I told him, hey, my, me and my boyfriend, we're going to do this thing and conquer the world. And he's like, you know, you should really put some, <laughs> yeah, he's like, you should really put some, you know, there's a lot that goes into crewing. Let's, you, you should consider s- some things before you guys move forward with this. And I was like, you don't know, you know, that was my attitude. Like, you don't know, uh, you don't know what I'm capable of. 
we're going to do this thing and crush it. Um, and so it, you know, crewing wasn't, wasn't his jam. It's not for everybody. And I've learned that now, especially with what I do, uh, with the relay that I run, we hire people to be crew and we have a very specific, um, hiring process for crew because we're looking for a type of person. And so essentially what it came down to is, uh, we loved each other, but he wasn't that type of person and we had to do it for six months. <laughs> so yeah. those were uh those were the real hard sticking points where you know it was just living well, in this motorhome and wanting yeah. someone to help you and take care of you this specific way and then not always getting that and what that that difference of expectation and experience and the the tension and the awkward moments and the fights that created that was probably the hardest part of the yeah. of the thing well, and, and, and yeah, and like you said, we, you know that now it takes special people. It takes us, somebody with, I call it a servant's heart to, to, to be mm-hmm. a good crew. Mm-hmm. And because let's face it, when we're being crewed, we're, we're pretty needy, you know, even, even when we're in good moods and, and fine, you know, like I need this, I need this. It's, it's, it's not very, it's pretty thankless job for the most part, you know, just down right. the So if, if, if you're not prepared for it, boy, it's, it can be rough. <laughs> Well, because when you're out there, as you know, as an ultra runner, when you're out there and all you can think about is a purple Gatorade and you show up and there's only red, you're like, what? You're like, why is this such a hell? You know, it's like this, it's this, it's this maddening experience where you want this one thing that will certainly save you from this hell you are in and it's nowhere to be found. And it's so simple, you know? So it's those things where you're just like, why, why couldn't you just find a purple Gatorade? What, yeah. What's so hard about that? I wanted the green M&Ms, the green M&Ms not the other ones. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I understand a hundred percent, you know, um, <laughs> that, and it's I love that with like the crew, like the crewing experience I've done. Yeah. When I've crewed like my husband or when I've crewed our relay runners, I, I, I like, I mean, it's not like, I don't want to sound weird. I don't like those moments, but when I'm crew and I have a runner who's going through something like that, it's this very like removed, like, I know that you're not yourself right now and I'm going to yeah. do the, everything I can to help you through this, whatever that looks like, you know? And so there's that specific person that, that is out there that tries to exist in these moments without internalizing them as, yeah. You're a jerk. <laughs> I'm not gonna help you at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I'm pretty pretty grateful. Like my wife, you know, she she was she did uh running and other stuff, but she's she's a good she takes care of me. But I she did say that I'm pretty I'm pretty nice even when I'm down because she's seen some of the others. She said, If you treated me like some of these others did, I don't know. You'd have to get your own <laughs> own stuff. You know, it's like <laughs> so, uh, uh, but uh but yeah, and it's good. It's good to know, especially like with you like with your husband that even when he's he's having a rough moment you know that's not him you know that's, that's him in the moment and it's kind of like the snickers commercial or hey, betty white here's a snicker you know <laughs> 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 yeah, you're not For yourself sure. yeah yes and aaron is that's my husband he's um he's very like he's soup he's pretty easy to crew too so like his bad moments like they're really not that bad yeah, gotcha, gotcha, good. So, so, um, all right. So you get it done. You get to the end. And what's it like when you, you you're finished? I mean, you've been doing this for six months. That's your life for six months. And you know, you're you you're a young lady. And so you your life. You know, six months is a long time, especially for a young person. And then you you're done. Uh, how what how does that feel? I mean, I I know you you shared a little bit about you know, failure. Cause you didn't raise the money you thought you had to raise, but uh, tell me what was going through your, your mind when you got done. Yeah, it was a really conflicting anticlimactic experience. Mm. Um, because what ended up happening was my finish was not the finish. And so now I can look back and see it was more like this weird middle for me where I was trying to figure out uh, how do I raise this much money? And along my run across the country, I had runners come out and join me and they had said inklings of, I want to do something like this, but I don't have the time or the resources. Mm. And so by the time I got to New York, I had conceptualized in my mind, starting a relay run across the country where I would give runners a week long opportunity to experience this. They would run 
I, I figured a week is what someone could take off of work. So I'd give you six marathons to run in six days. We'd set it up as a staged r run across the country. And in return, you're a part of this team and you fundraise. And together, we can raise half a million dollars. And so when I got to New York, it was this um, concept of an idea that did not exist. There had been things like it where a group goes together and they cross the country and they're like all in these different caravans. Um, there had been, you know, different sections of stuff kind of like it, but not exactly like this. Yeah. And, um, and so the concept was there. I had a few runners who were like, I would totally sign up, but do they really sign up? Right. I was like, right, are people right. going to do this and how much could they fundraise? And then also it was like, um, you know, these, these odd feelings of what ended up being kind of like resentment between me and my fiance and both on both ways um, yeah. of, of what the experience is, what ended up being like for us. And so New York was, you know, it was my finish, but yeah. very grateful that it did not end up being the finish. So the feelings of it were um, it's hard to put into words, all of the mix of like, I, I achieved this amazing personal athletic achievement. I fell completely flat on my face when it came to the fundraising. I had this idea of what I wanted to do. I had no idea how I could build a charity and actually make money, like in terms of how do I live and also operate a charity and also build the event. Um, and then also this like ending of my relationship. Uh, so it was, it was a weird, it was a weird, <laughs> yeah. it was a weird time. That's a lot. So you basically had a nervous breakdown at the finish. And was, <laughs> no, there was a good, uh, six months of just taking some space, yeah. figuring yeah. out uh, yeah. some of the big pieces of that, and then setting a date for my relay to start in April, 2013. I moved the start from San Francisco down to Santa Monica because Northern Nevada is really desolate. Um, the, the highway that I actually ran across is uh, deemed the loneliest highway in America, which is great as a runner because you're running and it's like next service station, 100 miles. Like nobody's out there. I didn't have to worry about cars. I loved it. Yeah. The desolateness of it, but it's not, it wasn't the awareness. Uh, and it's not someplace I would like have a, a person sign up and have me comfortably go send them. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so I moved the event down to uh, the start down to Santa Monica so we could run through Las Vegas and hit some um, some places on the way up to essentially where we the, the route for my relay run meets my route from 2010 uh, right before it crosses into Colorado. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so let, let, let's, let's get a little bit about, the, about the relay. So let me make sure I understand it right. So the relay is you basically get what 52 people to run our 52 19 uh, 19 okay okay because it's for 19 weeks it's not it's not oh, a gotcha, year, gotcha. year long relay yep gotcha see that messed it up already all right so 19, <laughs> yeah 19 people to do a relay and so so each one does their part i mean they run their their thing and then they then they then they go they can go home <laughs> you know and, yeah. and, then, and then somebody else jumps in and does it how cool is that that's pretty awesome so we we have the applications open for the organization. The organization, by the way, is msrunthus.org. Okay. And so we open the applications. They're always open during uh, – they're just always open. I want to know who's interested in doing this. But then we select the team. We do interviews in late July, uh, August and September, and then we select the team in October for the following year. So okay. the 2021 relay team has just been selected. I My favorite part is I – I mail them invites in the mail. And so they get this whole packet if they've been selected for the team, which outlines the segment that they've been selected for, how to accept the invite and how to be a part of the team. And then after that, um, after they've accepted, we do an onboarding, we do monthly team calls on Zoom. We've been doing Zoom as a nonprofit like for four or five years. So we were doing Zoom before yeah. Zoom was cool. Um, nice. <laughs> and because we have runners from all over the country. So really yeah. that's the only way that we can realistically meet. And we do this onboarding until we start the event in April. That's when our segment one runner starts at Santa Monica okay. pier. And then they run from the pier to a place called Barstow, California. They arrive there and then the next runner knows, okay, I'm arriving. They, every, the dates are all set. So, you know, what day you have to arrive, um, you basically get the baton, baton from the runner before you, you set yourself up in the RV and you go. So the, the setup from the organization is we have the runners that need to do the fundraising and the running. We give them 
uh, a training plan. We have coaches. We have the fundraising. We have I have a whole system in place for the fundraising. Yeah. Um, and then they just have to show up and run because we have a 30-foot motorhome and a SEG vehicle. And then, uh, as I mentioned, I have road crew that I hire. One road crew is a fitness-based person that is specifically hired to feed them, hydrate them, make sure, like, emotionally kind of keep it, keep that in check. And then we have a media road crew that captures the the event and puts it out on the internet so people can watch it. That is so, so how many years have you been, how many years have you been doing that? The very first relay was 2013. Oh, so. wow. That is too cool. Man, I don't know. I, I, I could see a lot of people wanting to do, to do that. Like they might have to do two of them, you know, two yeah. a year. I, <laughs> I really, I mean, I could see you probably have a lot of applicants, I would imagine. We do. We have a good amount of applicants. It's all up until this point, it's been word of mouth. So we get. Okay. The 2013 team was so Motley Crew, man. They were, <laughs> it was like, I had set the date, I think it was April 13th or something, 2013, that I wanted to start. And I like, in January, I had seven runners for our, for the 19. And I was, and so I sent out an email and I was like, hey guys, thanks for signing up. Like, I don't have, I didn't have sponsorship to pay for it. I didn't, I wanted like a new motorhome because the motorhome I had, for my run had one one queen bed and back and then it had a, a sleeper sofa in the middle and it was like this narrow cabin yeah. um and so i didn't think that was a, a great setup for to invite someone but so i emailed them in january and they all meet me back and they're like we're doing this we're sleeping in tents like we'll <laughs> ask our friends and so they really they rallied around it they started asking their friends and we got 16 people to sign up um some of them were like i'll run i'll run a whole state like they were just like, I'll run two segments. I don't care. We're doing this. And yeah, so we pieced it together. So awesome. Um, the, the RV that I used for my run, we, I ended up just ended up asking the family if I could have it again. So the runner would show up, the whole interior was blue. So the runner would show up, they got the queen sleeping space and back. And I slept on the sofa for six months and I crewed them and I drove them in the RV <laughs> wow. while they ran a marathon a day. And I was like uh, 27 at the time. <laughs> Golly. And you're probably like, my fiance was right at the time. <laughs> no, I loved it. Like that was, yeah. I, I loved it just as much, if not more than my run across the country, because yeah. I think that especially as a runner, you can, you can tell yourself you want to do almost anything. Right. And then you just got to go out and do it, but to convince other people that they can now do, yeah. um, you know, we're everyday runners there. There's parents, the full-time jobs, three kids just like I do that train to run 160 miles in a week and they successfully do it. And they also have to fundraise $10,000. Like it's two massive challenges that I put out there yeah. for them. And like the team crushes it. I have, I have like a 98% um, success rate with the fundraising and the running. Like it's, it's crazy how well these people, like the, our runners, our family, how, yes. how well they do in this, in this team setting and what they realize what they're capable of. And it comes from this sense of like, I wasn't an elite. I wasn't this marathon runner that did, that did, that did ultra running. It was like, I was an everyday runner. And yeah. then I decided to do this. And it's nice too, that I have the exercise science um, background. That was my degree. So I can couple my knowledge of the body and mm -hmm. exercise and running into the training that we do with our, with our runners. And then there's a huge, as we know, with ultra running, huge mental component. Yeah. My favorite conversations with, so the, the relay team is like my jam. I just love, I love the relay team. I love leading it. Um, and I, so many times we get to these points where, we're like a week or two to a runner showing up for their segment. And they're just like, I, they're scared. They're yeah. like, they've done all the training. They've done all the fundraising, but they're like, I don't know what's going to happen. You yeah. don't know if you can run a marathon a day for six days consecutively until you do it. Yeah. And so, and then they're showing up in this setting where they're put on this team that you want to succeed. And you know, thousands of people are watching online. It's really, there's a ton of pressure. And yeah. so I, we get these phone calls where it's like, I don't, you know, this is, I, I'm really starting to kind of feel the pressure. And it, I love those phone calls because it's, I love reminding people that running is fun. 
Yeah. We do this because it's fun. Let's go out there and have like a dance party. Yeah. You know, like we, we put, I think as humans, we put so much pressure on ourselves and we yeah. make, build it up. And so I love that reminder of like, you love running. You are made for this moment. You have done the work. Let's go out there and have a dance party. Enjoy your time on the road. It's like running club for adults. Yeah. And so all you got to do is show up and it's, it's a ton of fun. Let's just think of it as a adult camp. You know, you go yeah. to camp. Yeah, you get to- <laughs> That's Basically. awesome. Yeah. Oh man. So I, I bet, I bet it's been really interesting. You, you, people from all walks of life, like you said, just, just leave, get to leave their responsibilities and then come and be a part of something, something big. And, uh, I would imagine, I, I just know myself, even just running ultras, but to be a part of something like that, like, I, I don't know. I, I would imagine they just so, so fulfilled and that sense of accomplishment because they did it that physical thing, but they also were a part of raising money for, a, you know, an amazing cause. And right. so, and, and being a part of a team, you know, it's like, I didn't let yeah. my team down, you know, and yeah. that's, that's pretty awesome. That, that, that's a cool, amazing setup, you know, that, that you, hey, you had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever had, have you had repeat runners that, that have, that have done it and come back? Yeah, we do have a good amount of repeat runners. Um, I I would say anywhere from three to five people would like okay. to come back. Yeah. We're getting to a point, too, uh, where the applicants of new runners are so qualified. And we want to – we always keep with the organization. With the mission is the heart of what we do, right? So we raise awareness for MS. We help people with financial aid. So think like we buy help buy wheelchairs and do ramp installations and home modifications, stuff like that. Uh, And then we help fund research. And so when we select the team, it's um, who on the team can build this mission within the organization with the way that we, that we have it. So um, where we're at now with the growth is uh, building out new programs so that our alumni always have a place to go, whether or not they want to do a segment, you know, the, it's a huge commitment. So doing it year after year, that yeah. um, that can be taxing. But like you said, it's it's nice to be a part of this. Um, it's nice to be a part of a team using your running for um, for a bigger purpose than, you know, running just your. And that's great, too. Like nothing, nothing against obviously running for yourself. But yeah, um, that opportunity to do something bigger with it is great. So we're building out programs so that uh, even our runners that will come back, they have a place to go. And so that the platform for our ultra relay team always has that focus in mind of, of what are we doing best for the mission and what do we, how are we best serving people living with MS? That's awesome. That's amazing. So I, I is Christina Fireball one of the runners that has done it yes. a couple of times? Okay. Yes. I know, I, I, I know her runner. and we run for some, some same uh, sponsors and stuff like that. And I was trying to think she ran. I, so I was, I know she's done it a couple of times, I think at least. And yeah. uh, okay. There you go. All right, cool. I, I was kind of looking at her Facebook on the side here. Like, I think she, that's what she did. That's cool. Yeah. So she is uh, on the 2021 team. That'll okay. be her fifth year. And she has raised over $37,000 wow. for the organization. That's awesome. Shout out to, to Fireball, man. <laughs> yeah. She's a beast. That's cool. That's awesome. Cool. Well, so so this is continuing. So, I mean, it's it's in your in your realm of possibility to, you know, maybe one day grow it and even have have two teams going or, you know, one team and, and then do another team uh, later on. I two teams do the per whole year. thing. New, new routes, you know, yeah. like nice. I, I definitely want to continue growing it so that, you know, if, if we got the people that want to fill these things, let's do it. Yeah. Stomp across the country and fight MS. I'm all for it. Nice, nice. Well, we would definitely include the the website and all the information in the show notes so that people can can. There's a lot of a lot of us crazies out there that just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hear that and it kind of the the ears go up. You know, and they're like, oh, yeah. what? Run, run, twenty, twenty. Yeah, well, okay, I can do that. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, really awesome. So, um, that's that's cool. So, run across the U.S. Um, you ever, you ever ever I don't know ever thought about doing some smaller ones like across some states or something? I guess you're doing all that as part of the u.s so i don't know <laughs> you don't need uh, to... we've thought of it we've had yeah. uh some some versions of that like every once in a while if a runner gets injured um especially to you know we're we're doing it live in 2021 because of the in 
in-person size of our event is three people, right? So in, in the respect of everything that's going on with COVID, we can do yeah. it yeah. safely, but, you know, we have to think, okay, what if someone gets COVID right before they're coming out? Like, how do yeah. we fill those segments? And so we always get people coming in from the community to fill it. And so we've done inklings of that. And I would love to, to do a community run across the country. So I've got, I mean, I know this is probably shocking, but I have all these grandiose ideas <laughs> yeah. of what we can do. Yeah. Um, and it's just a matter of, of, of doing it within a scope that um, I've always been really committed to what I consider an exceptional runner experience. So I yeah. want exceptional fundraiser experiences so that they feel uh, well cared for when they come yeah. to the organization. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm impressed and uh, I, I, I love it. And I hope a lot of people like that are listening will, will dig in and, and uh, you know, look and see what it's all about and you know, get some more applications, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so uh, you personally, are you you still running? You still doing uh, I know you keep them busy with all this, but you still still getting get some shoes dirty. I do. I, um, COVID especially has put me back out on the road quite a bit, but my uh, husband and I have a young family. I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's I'm running in a right whole there. different sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing uh, CrossFit pretty consistently for the last five years because I was able to bring the kids to the gym and get a really great workout in within an hour. Um, but actually uh, staying out of the gym since COVID and have got back out on the road. My husband and I flop letting each other go out either in the morning or in the afternoon. And I'm really, just really loving yeah. getting, having that alone time back out on the road. It's awesome. That's good. Yeah. When you got kids in the house, man, it's good. It's good, to, good to get Young out. kids too. They're just, they're maniacs. Yeah. I love them. They're adorable. We have two girls and a boy, but, and we wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way, but man, as a shout out to any parents with young kids, it is a, it is a, yeah. beast <laughs> yeah. all this all little toddlers are crazy they're just crazy they're just they're, they're, they're want food and like they, they yeah. need me all the time <laughs> yeah so but she was on to go out the door you know it's quiet now yeah <laughs> yeah oh man well did did we leave anything out man uh, that uh, so much <laughs> i will say this so if there's someone who you know, isn't going to sign up because of the fundraising or the running's a bit much. One thing that anybody can do that really, really helps the organization elevate the platform, especially on Instagram, is if you like the social, if you like our Instagram and like comment in any posts that you see, those comments right. help get our uh, posts a little bit more visibility. And it's a really easy free way to help us um, raise awareness for multiple sclerosis. Right on. What's, what's the Instagram uh, handle? MS run the U.S. All right. And I'll have a link on that, too. And I'll make sure I go like it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much for, um, you know, for for being on the taking your time with kids, you know, hiding in the basement to, <laughs> to be able to to chat. And uh, and I uh, man, good luck. And who knows, maybe um, if I, I won't say it too loud because my wife's in the next room, but maybe you'll see my application <laughs> come across <laughs> uh, next next year. I've got the triple crown of, of 200s to get done from that was supposed to be this year. But uh, I saw that but, on your Site. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe the maybe the year after that. We'll see. I, I love I love what you're doing. Love the way you're doing it. So we'll see Thank what happens you so much. Thank you. Well, take care, Ashley. And I hope to hope to see you uh, out on the trail or see you doing good things out there. <laughs> awesome. You have a good night. All right. See you. Bye bye.